Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. It's third Sunday of Advent, and oh, just to be here on a Sunday morning, a day of rest, right? That didn't sound It is a busy season that we find ourselves in this season of Advent with all the preparations in play that we are getting our homes ready, our houses ready. There are now Christmas trees in every room of our house. There are decorations ongoing. I think it will go on till Christmas Day. And then maybe even to Epiphany. That's the nature of Advent and the Christmas season and the Boykin household. It's the nature of the season for all of us. We are busy people. Cleaning and cooking and going to and fro. Getting something ready for something else, for someone else. It's just the nature of these days. And I hope for myself, and I pray for myself, and I hope and pray for all of us, that even in the midst of all of this busyness, that we pause just long enough to give thanks. To give thanks for busy hands and minds. To give thanks for family and friends for whom we do all that we do. And for those who do all they do for us. We pause long enough to give thanks for the very reason that we make ourselves busy. To prepare. To prepare a place and room for one another. And hopefully and prayerfully for God. The Word made flesh. Christ, God's own anointed. And maybe as we pause long enough to give thanks, we'll pause long enough just to catch our breath and to be patient and to gain our strength and to take another step into the next day. To be patient and to persevere through this season. To be intentional about our preparations. Preparations of the world. Preparations for our home. Preparations for our hearts and our minds. And maybe, as we are intentional about all these preparations, we'll find ourselves humble in the presence of God. As we've made our way through these uh, three weeks of Advent, we've been making our way through a sermon series. and It's making our way through Advent with the disciples and we've considered what it means to make time to give thanks and make time for patience and to have time for humility. And today we have this powerful opening words of the Gospel of John. Powerful words. Where John introduces this idea of the Word made flesh, this Logos, this powerful, filled, theologically filled phrase. The Word made flesh, Logos. And just as he introduces this idea, that the divine 
has been made flesh and dwells among us. He switches gears. And he says, there was a man sent from God and his name was John. This man is not the light, but came to testify, to witness to the light. The light is the, that is the truth. The truth of God. And then the gospel writer picks up again with this idea of the Logos and the Word made flesh. It's an odd juxtaposition of putting together this prologue, this introduction to what the gospel writer wants to do. To lay out who Jesus Christ is, the Word made flesh, who came to save all of us, to give us all a glimpse and a presence of God. Salvation here on earth. It's a very puzzling thing for me, and I have struggled with just why would the gospel writer phrase this prologue in such a way? Why, why introduce this incredible, heavy, heavy theological thought and then just switch gears and introduce a man named John who came to be a witness and to testify to not the light, be a witness to the light. And then jump right back into the prologue and a continuous discussion and presentation of the Word made flesh. But what does it even mean to talk about Logos and talk about the Word made flesh? Well, we've come to understand that Logos as divine reason and will that informs and structures the entire universe. All that has been created, all that we know and, and don't know, all that we see and don't see. It includes an understanding of a pre-existent eternal wisdom that contains the law providing a perfect pattern and a pre-existent heavenly embodiment of perfection. All this discloses the pre-existent wisdom of God. See what I mean? There's a lot in that phrase, word made flesh. It's heavy. It means a lot. It carries a lot of weight. So why jump to John and then back? Now, I, I, don't, I don't really know, but you, maybe, maybe it has something to do with landscapes. Maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. But you know, as I think about it, I, you know, several years ago I was an associate pastor at Dothan First Methodist Church, and, and one of my responsibilities in that position was to um, be in charge of the missions programs of the church. On one particular year, I was kind of getting ready and thinking about and kind of plan for um, upcoming summer and spring mission trips for our church, opportunities that our church may get involved with in, across the United States. What were the opportunities? What was out there? I didn't really know. So I, I did what anybody, I went to the internet. United Methodist Ministries, missions. And as I conducted this research, I ran across a, a ministry that said in, in Mission, South Dakota. It was called the Tree of Life. And the woman that was running, it was the in charge of that ministry, 
I called her up and said, tell me what you have going on at the Tree of Life. What are you about? What do you do? Tell us, you know, how, how can we partner? What can we do? And as we talked, she asked me where I was from. I said, well, I'm, I'm from South, Southeast Alabama. I'm in Dothan, Alabama. She goes, really? You know, I'm, I'm from Birmingham originally. Oh, okay. So you're familiar with Alabama. You know what life is like down here. Well, tell me what life is like in South Dakota. I've never been to South Dakota. I've heard so much about this, this, this idea of the of big sky. and that, that culture is just so different. That world is just so different. This big sky country. Tell me what that means. I have no... You know, my my idea of a big sky is... Well, it's, it's humidity and, and heat and haze and rain. What does it mean in South Dakota? She says, well, there's really something to it. It's unlike anything you'll ever see. It's just, it's just so big. Well, it doesn't help because Big Sky tells me, tells me that much. What does it mean? That's, what do you mean big? It's just as far as you can see. No matter where you look, you just see blue sky. Wherever you look. If you look up, you see blue. If you look straight ahead, you see blue. Look all around. It's just blue sky everywhere. It's like just pressing down on you. It's just blue sky. It's just, it begins to feel oppressive. And I thought, whoa. What do you mean exactly what is that? What do you mean? It's, it's open. It's just, I can just imagine these rolling hills and, and these northern plains and prairies and blue sky. It sounds so free. She said, yeah, it is, but it's also everywhere. And it just begins to feel like it's pushing down on now it's beautiful and I love it out here, she told me. You know, she said, you know, we had a recently we had a young Episcopal priest come out. He was going to be a chaplain out here. And he, he, was, he came from Virginia, somewhere back east, and, and he wanted to come out and experience Big Sky and, and, the, and, and the West. And so he he applied and was appointed out here on the reservation. She said, you know, he, he lasted four months. I said, was it was it the cold? I know it gets really cold. I said, no. It's the sky. He couldn't get away from the sky. He felt claustrophobic. He felt so small and pressed. He couldn't take it. He had to go back east. That's a puzzle for me. I don't know what to make of this. I've never been out there. Maybe one day I'll go. But this image that this young Episcopal priest was out there, I could just imagine this guy walking out of his house, standing in his front yard and looking at this sky and having the sense of just how small he is. How small he is in the grand scheme of God's creation. How humbling it must feel. 
Certainly we've all had a, an experience, or I hope we will have an experience, that we'll be on a mountaintop and we'll be able to look out across the, the mountain range and see forever and just be awestruck by its beauty and the magnitude and the expanse of God's creation and be humbled in that allness. Or maybe it's standing on a seashore hearing the waves crash. Or maybe it's sitting under a starry night and being impressed by the glory of God's creation. Well, we are allowed and blessed to feel so small. Maybe it's in that landscape that the gospel writer is offering up John the Baptist. Maybe in presenting John the Baptist as he does in this prologue, He's allowing us to understand that John knows who he is. He knows where he stands. And he knows the glory of God that is around him. And he is humbled by that. Knowing that the Word made flesh, the true light, the truth, the wisdom of God is standing in His presence. If we can feel the awe of creation under a starry night or standing at the, on a mountaintop. Shouldn't we and can't we feel the awe of God's presence in our midst? Maybe that's the landscape that the, the gospel writer is calling to our attention to say in this world that we walk and we live and we do all this preparation, pause long enough, be intentional long enough to take notice that God is present with us. And if we do that, maybe we'll be like a young Episcopal priest and we'll walk outside and we'll walk in the midst of one another and we'll feel the very presence of God and we'll feel just who we are in God's presence. One of God's own. A human called to be perfectly human. Called to be one of God's own children. And so in all of ourselves, and in, 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 in being intentional about being who we are, about being humble, maybe it's about being in tune with knowing that we are broken. And we're called to be made whole. To, mo to know that sometimes we're helpless, but God is with us to help. To know that there are times when we are hopeless, but God is here to offer hope. To know that there are times we are lost, and God is here to show us the way. we're intentional we pause long enough and we give thanks for God's many blessings and we pause long enough to gain our strength and catch our breath to continue the journey to continue preparing maybe we'll find ourselves in a 
time of, of humility. And we will know that we are human. That we are a part of God's beautiful and glorious creation. And God is with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.